uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started, and I'll try to get you out of here um, relatively fast. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, you're good to us. Uh, we are uh, undone by uh, how you seem to just lavish uh, things we don't deserve on us. Uh, we don't deserve mountains. We don't deserve elk. Uh, we don't deserve each other. Uh, yeah, you have uh, been so gracious to give us that. We ask that as we enter into uh, a time this week of talking about what you design uh, men to do and to be, uh, we ask that you be gracious to us, uh, have mercy on us uh, from when we failed, uh, forgive us our sins, uh, love us to your throne, and we will be uh, thankful for that. That's in your name that we pray. Amen. Um, well, hey, y'all. Um, morning. We stood in that breakfast line for about six hours today. What that? That's a long wait for some bad waffles. Um, but I'm Daryl. I am uh, I'm a pastor, youth pastor in Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, this is this is my job. Uh, I love talking to high schoolers. This is what I do. Uh, it's kind of what I've given my life to. So uh, this is a great uh, kind of a great joy for me, and I hope that um, this time really will be for you. Uh, what are any baseball players in here? Football guys? Um, played sports. Uh, or anything like that. We kind of want this time to be more like what you'd uh, what you'd feel like in a dugout or like a field house. Uh, we don't want it to feel uh, like a sanctuary, right? I don't want you to feel like you can't laugh or anything like that. So uh, this will be a good time of rest for you. I know that it's early, so if you doze off, it's not going to hurt my feelings. Um, just don't all of you doze off. Just a couple of you. Maybe take chips. Um but yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. I I live in Nashville. I have a wife named McKenzie. Uh, she's a nurse, and we have two dogs. Uh, I got a dog named Samson. That's 12. He's about to die. Um, I just I just say that to prepare myself. Like he's about to die. He might be dead when I get home. I don't know. Um, and then we got a puppy named Bo, uh, who's seven months old, and he's a nightmare. Um, they're both black labs, and I love them. Um, so miss them. They're great. So. Um, what we'll do in this time really is we're going to kind of look, we'll be together three different sessions. Uh, we're going to take three different looks at what God has designed really for masculinity in the Bible. Uh, and I think we you know, chose this topic and we talked about this when we were kind of planning it because you're at a real weird time. Um, 2019 is weird. And I, I think you know that because... This is the first time since I can remember uh, in 20 years of youth ministry that, uh, that, that gender and masculinity has really been under this much fire and confusion um, and really a lot of misconceptions of what that looks like. So, uh, you know, it's kind of the first time where if you're born as a girl and want to be a boy, uh, you can do that and nobody can say anything about it. Uh, or if you're, you know, the opposite. If you're born a boy and you want to be a girl, uh, you can do that and you can't say anything about it. Uh, and so we want to look at, uh, in the midst of all that kind of goes on in culture and all that's going on kind of out there, uh, how are we to react to that as those who have uh, looked to Jesus and seen him uh, as someone worthy to be followed, as we call ourselves Christians, as we go to church? Uh, how are we to think about these things? And so that's what I really want to uh, kind of dive into really this week with you because uh, you've lived long enough, surely, uh, that at some point in your life uh, someone's looked at you and said, hey, you need to man up. Or, hey, you need to be a man. Or quit throwing like a girl. 
if you were my mom, that's what she would say to me. Um, I'm just kidding. You can laugh. It's fine. Um, and and we're now stuck in this spot where uh, whether it's your parents, whether it's you know, a bully at school, whether it's a friend they have, um, where we've all looked at masculinity in the face and have probably been really confused by it. And, and none of us are immune to feeling uh, that that we're a little, just like a little confused. And so we believe that masculinity is wildly important. Uh, I would argue that it's wildly misunderstood. And if you think of how it's portrayed in media, uh, think of how it's portrayed kind of television, sports, and things like that. Um, you know, we ask the question like, "What is a man? What is, what is it?" Rob Gronkowski uh, is it somebody that's huge and fist pumps a lot and has huge muscles. Um, is it John Mayer? Is it can you know make beautiful music? Um, is it that guy? You see those street guys that can paint pictures upside down and then they flip them and it's like this really cool painting. Um, like, is it that guy? Like, what is it? Um, is he to be a musician? Is he to be a poet? Is he an athlete? Uh, is he a construction worker? Is he a carpenter or a farmer? Um, we have a lot of these questions that we're probably not asking. And so that's really what I want, what I want to kind of dive into and really ask the question, what is the purpose and what is your purpose as a man in the kingdom of God? Uh, so when you think of God's kingdom and your role in it, kind of what is really what is your job description there? Um, and in order to do this, we're going to have to dispel some false notions uh, we're not going to talk a lot about, um, like, we're not interested in, in pushing forward stereotypes and things like that. So we're really going to go right back to the source. Uh, we're going to go back to Genesis and see what God has to say about this. Uh, when he created Adam, we believe that Adam was the perfect man before he fell. And so uh, we're going to go back and really look at him this morning because you really have two choices uh, in your whole life, right? You can look at what... Uh, kind of everyone around you is saying, or we can go back to Scripture and see what God has said about um, kind of where we are in space and time. Because, uh, like I said before, we're in this really strange spot in history. Um, there's not a great war going on that's going to cause us really to sacrifice anything right now. Um, there's, you know, everything's automated. You don't have to go anywhere. I was telling, like we were at Pack Sun at the mall the other day, and I was telling these guys that I was so jealous of them that they could get paid back for things immediately because of Venmo. Because when I was like 15, you had, you had to hunt somebody down for seven months um, and then go ask their parents. And then you, you lost your friends. And you're alone. Um, but you're in this time where everything's automated. Everything's kind of done for you. There's no great war that's really calling us to anything. There's no great depression that's forcing you to kind of quit school and go to work. Uh, so we're in this time where uh, adolescence has really been extended from kind of you know 12, 13, really into like your early 20s. And that's never been the case before. Uh, it's never been uh, how it's been kind of in the history of the world. Uh, really, uh, you know, like teen, teenaging, being a teenager, um, is kind of something relatively new on the timeline of history. Uh, it really came about... Um, kind of in America really after World War II ended um, because all these guys who were teenagers were coming back from fighting um, and then they're having babies and then they're trying to keep their kids like from fighting when they're teenagers so um, there's been this kind of portion of life that you're in uh, that, that's going to be uh, really strange and you're going to get blamed for everything right? it's all the teenagers fault 
Um, Generation Z, they don't know what they're doing. They just look at their phones all the time. Um, That's not what this is going to be because uh, you have great value and great worth. And so if you'll flip, if you have Bible, if you'll go to Genesis chapter 2, if you have your phone, you can check it up there. Um, We'll be in Genesis chapter 2. And uh, and really going to look at uh, today, I used to have a whiteboard, but I don't have one now. Um, kind of what was Adam's job description? So that's the first thing we're going to look at today. What was Adam's job description? Tomorrow we're going to look at what does a man look like in the kingdom of God? And on the last day, I'm going to talk to you about kind of what are some threats to us. Um, violence and pornography are the biggest threats to you. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and uh, and really kind of unpack what that looks like for us. So that's kind of where we're going. So if you go to uh, Genesis chapter 2, I will read about the creation of Adam. We're start at verse 15. But if you, if you get a chance to go read through Genesis 2, 1 through 14, it's actually really, it's really, really cool. Uh, we'll start at verse 15. The Lord God took the man that was Adam and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heaven and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon him. And he took one of his ribs and closed it up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they should become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Uh, so, in reading God's scripture, reading that story, you've heard a million times. Uh, what are some things we can pull out of that of what God uh, really has designed for Adam? And I would say this stretches to us. Richie talked about this last night. Uh, the echoes of Eden that we feel are always going back to Eden in the Bible. And uh, and what was asked of Adam is true of you, but to kind of a lesser degree. And so uh, the first thing, there's really four things we're going to look at real quick, but the first is uh, Adam's first job, uh, his first thing he was to do, and the first thing he was to be uh, was a child of God. Y'all, this is wildly important for you. Uh, because you are hooked to the plow and you're told you have to perform. Uh, y'all are so busy, it scares the life out of me. Uh, when I try to get together with uh, our folks back in Nashville, uh, it's tons of, hey man, i got to take my ACT for the 15th time. Um, I can't, i gotta, you know, I got to go to work. Uh, then I have soccer practice after that. Um, then at some point i got to try to find to do my homework. Uh, so much of your life is so scheduled and, and regimented and, de- and things demanded from you uh, that you're tired and you're stressed out, um, you're on medication, uh, you're depressed, 
you go into your room, slam the door, eat your Chick-fil-A. You don't want to talk to anybody. Um, before all uh, of the things that Adam was given to do, the first thing he was was to be a child of God and to draw his identity from him. Um, he wasn't the things that he does. Adam mattered to God because Adam mattered to God. God loved Adam because he loved him. He didn't love him because he could do something for him. Uh, so Adam's first job is to be a child of God, made in the likeness and the image of God, and to be really in an intimate relationship with him. Uh, so much so that when, when life, uh, when, you're, when your relationship with God is off, the rest of your life is going to be off. Uh, the cornerstone, the foundation, the first brick that's laid, um, if it's not straight, everything else is messed up. And your house is going to be slanted. And you're going to be taller on one side than the other. And and Adam knew first and foremost that he was to be a child of God. So first, before you do anything else, know this. If you don't hear anything else, I'll say all week. Um, God loves you. Uh, God is for you. God is with you. Um, you've sinned. You've messed up. Repent and move on. Like that That's the Christian life, right? You repent, you fight, you believe. And so the first thing he does, he's a child of God. The second thing he does is that Adam is a worker. Uh, we see this. When God places him in the garden, he's to keep it and to tend it and to cultivate it. Um, he was designed and placed in this garden. Y'all, Adam was a farmer. Uh, he was a farmer and he was a worker. And what we see about work is, uh, like, we all kind of hate it. We all hate work uh, because it's hard. Uh, but it was given to us before the fall came. So that means uh, that work itself is not bad. And that work itself is actually something that was blessed by God. And we don't like this very much because we have a very skewed vision uh, of what it is. And I encounter this all the time uh, with myself and my own heart, uh, with the folks that I work with and minister to. Uh, work isn't the thing that gets you money to buy Taco Bell. Um, it's not the thing that gets you uh, money to go spend on Xbox Live. Um, work is in itself to be fulfilling and to be a reward. Um, the money's nice. Uh, the Bible says all over the place the worker deserves his wages. So if you do a job, you should get paid for it. That, that's just part of how it is. Um, but the work itself is to be the reward. And we really see that uh, with Adam here because he is, uh, he is told, go and work this. Like, hey, don't eat from that tree because that will kill you. But everything else, just kind of do what you want. Make it look good. Um, you know, grow berries over there. You have animals over here. You can't kill them yet, but just look at them because they're pretty. One of our kids threw a football at an elk yesterday. I was like, don't do that. Um, but quit. Quit abusing elk. Um, we're to look at creation. Look at these mountains. Uh, if you go to Moraine Park on the hike today, um, you're to look at those things and see those as beautiful. And that's what Adam, that was one thing he did. He just walked around and looked at beautiful stuff all the time. Um, and for y'all that I've noticed and experienced myself, um, we have a, a weird relationship with work uh, because we, we don't understand it. And it, it gets difficult. And I was uh, I played uh, baseball all the way through up until uh, I graduated high school and was painfully average at baseball. Um, but I, I got to be on these all-star travel teams, and they were really fun and a little overrated and really expensive. Uh, 
But when I got to be on the, this 13-year-old team that was, uh, we live, I grew up in Virginia, kind of right outside of the Tennessee border. And so we got kind of grouped in with all these Tennessee teams, and it was just really fun to play them because they were really good. And uh, when summer I wanted to play, and my dad was like, hey, like my mom didn't work, my dad worked in a factory. Um, he was like, money's pretty tight. Like, I really want you to be on this team, uh, but you'll probably have to work and, like, pay me back. And I was like, well, that sucks, but I can do it. Um, I just didn't know. Like, I'm 13. I can't drive. So I'm like, what am I going to do for work? Uh, but I had a neighbor that lived two doors down. His name was Farmer Frank. And he had just bought this huge field um, that was kind of right next to our house. And so we had, like, seven acres. We had pigs and goats and, um, like, a big garden. And then the kind of on the side and on the back was all farmland that Farmer Frank owned. And he said, hey, I just acquired, you know, 30 more acres. And there are these thistles that kind of grow. They're like this tall and they're really sharp. And he's like, they're, you know, they're kind of hell on my cows. Uh, so he just gave me this, wo- like this wooden pole with like a blade on the end. And he was like, just go through that field and cut all the thistles down. I was like, sure. I was like dehydrated the whole time. And uh, so I'm just walking through this field and I had to cut down these thistles. He was like, okay, now we need to put a new fence up. And I'm quickly figuring out that Farmer Frank is, is it's child labor. He's abusing me. Um, and he's like, I'm going to put this fence up. This is going to take the rest of the summer, and I'll pay you $50 a day. And I was like, man, I, I felt like Scrooge McDuck just swimming in coins. And uh, But I, I found out that a day to Farmer Frank was 14 hours, not six or four. And so I was making like three fifty. dollars But uh, I, I had more money than I've ever had in my life. And I got to give it to my dad and got to go play baseball and bought a new glove and a sweet bat, Easton Reflex. It was awesome. And then my dad was like, hey, son, thanks for working that hard. And I like walked outside and I looked at this field that now had this new fence, had all these thistles gone. And I was like, man, like that looks really cool. Um, I was dog tired. I, was, I had blisters because I was so sunburned. Uh, but I was able to look at it and say, man, that was beautiful. Um, that's the reward from work. Uh, to look at something and say, like, man, I gave, like, I worked really hard and I gave everything I could to that. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Trent in the back. He's a uh, he's a starting lineman as a freshman on probably what will be their state championship football team at Ravenwood this coming year. And uh, he just said to me last night, there's no greater feeling than leaving the football field and knowing you left everything out there. Uh, that's what work is. Uh, to see the beauty and the reward being, man, that was awesome. And now I have a little folding money for my pocket. Um, all these things are good. So Adam was to be a worker. Um, your job is to be a worker. Whatever that means for you in your context. Um, I don't mean like chores, but that you know you do those because your parents say to. Um, but find a way uh, to do some work that's rewarding. It's a big deal. Uh, the third thing that Adam is, is he's a namer. Uh, he got to name all the animals. Any animal you see has a name. Uh, the superb starling that he showed last night. Uh, the elk, the you know, the prairie dogs, uh, the cats, the dogs. Anything you see that has a name, Adam was the one that gave it to it, right? Uh, because names matter. Uh, when you were given a name, uh, I'm assuming your parents are the ones who named you, um, it dispels a little bit of power. Like you're 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 exercising dominion over something. Uh, you know, like I got to name my dogs. Uh, Bobby got to name his kids. 
uh, is a big deal. And you've been given names that you hate. Um, you've lived too long to not be called a bad name. And you know how it sucks the life out of you. And um, it's because when Adam was naming the animals, it was, it was God saying, I'm going to give you enough power here in this little part of my creation. Uh, we've taken that and we've abused it. Uh, your parents, I don't know you from Adam, right? But um, likely to say there are probably some broken homes in here. And uh, you probably have had dads call you something you don't want to be called. Um, that's not how the world is supposed to work. So when Adam was given this job by God to be a namer, he was to be one who takes his power and uses it for good and uses it to make the world a better place. We'll talk about this a little more on Thursday. Um, And then lastly, uh, Adam was to be a protector. Uh, We see this uh, with the creation of Eve and how Adam kind of responded to that. Um, All throughout Scripture, uh, we talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, The Holy Spirit is a helper for you. The Holy Spirit is a comforter given to you. And uh, when Eve was given to Adam, uh, it was because Adam was alone. Um, It's because Adam was lonely. Uh, He had God there. God made all these animals, and he was like, we need to find a helper fit from a boy Adam because he's kind of by himself. So he parades all these animals in front of him, and none of them kind of do the job. Right? Hey, here's a giraffe. You can you know reach tall things at the top of the trees if you want that. Um, but Adam, you know, not really being scratched where he itches. God says, then will cause you to fall asleep. I'm going to take your rib out. This is a really violent thing if you think about it. Hey, go to sleep. I'm going to steal your rib. Tell your rib. Is anybody sharing a bed in here? Tell them that tonight. When you go to sleep, I'm going to take your rib. Um, quit snoring. And. Uh, and so Adam has his rib taken out, and then Eve is marched to him. And it's the first poetry written in the Bible, and it's the first reaction to something that wasn't good in the Bible. Uh, everything that God had created up until this point, he said, was good. What wasn't good was that Adam was by himself, uh, that Adam was alone. And so, uh, so Eve was marched in, and she was to be God's greatest gift to him. Uh, gentlemen, you can tell a lot about a man by how he treats a woman. Uh, you can tell a lot about a man by how he treats them. It wasn't uh, that Adam was like, oh man, like here comes Eve. I can have all the sex I want now. Um, that's not, that's not, that's porn, right? That's what porn does. Uh, it bastardizes this process. Uh, but when Adam looks at Eve and he says, that's her. Finally, at last, he says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She's here. She's the one. Um, Adam was never intended to rule her or any of the kids they would have uh, with like an iron fist. Uh, he was never intended uh, to abuse, uh, to belittle, to bully, or put down. Uh, he was to protect the creation uh, that God had given to him. And uh, and when Adam looks at her and he's he's taken aback um, and he's he's kind of dumbfounded at, at all that has been given to him, uh, then God says, "Now it's very good. Now the world is working right. Everything is is great here." Um, but as we know, when Genesis three comes and hits, uh, it all goes really really poorly. 
um, and it all messes up really badly. And we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later in the week. Uh, but as we close here in our time together, uh, you've been taught that you have to look out for yourself. Uh, you don't look out for other people. You know, kind of get what you need, get what you want. Uh, take, 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 consume, eat, um, and not give back. Uh, to look out for number one. And kind of the, the Christian story comes and flips that upside down and says, actually, for the world to work, we have to do this together. Um, when I was uh, when I was growing up, about age six or seven, uh, I remember my dad sort of I, he didn't he didn't like not allow me to hang out with my mom anymore, uh, but he kind of knew that uh, that there comes a time that you have to kind of pull away and and get around other guys uh, to really grow. Uh, and my dad did a lot of things wrong. Um, but one thing he did really well was that. Um, except for it was like, he put me around my uncles. You'll hear, I'm going to tell you a story about my crazy Uncle Burton tomorrow. Uh, he used to live in our goat shed, which is weird. Um, and, uh, and my dad, every Saturday, would take me to these dirt track races um, in the town, kind of close to ours. And I was around all these men who were like just cussing and they were, you know, they were drunk as skunks and, you know, like throwing stuff, talking about how they hate their wives. And I was like, that's weird. I'm seven. What am I doing here? I should be in bed. Um, and and then I spent a lot of time with my grandfather, who was a great man. Uh, his nickname was Dead Eye, and I never knew why they called him that. And I was like, your eyes look normal. Uh, why do they call you this? Uh, but one day I was just like riding around. He taught me how to drive a stick shift when I was probably nine, um, nine or ten. <laughs> it was super dangerous. Um, and we were kind of driving through. He had this big farm. We were driving through this field, and um, I got back in the passenger seat, and he was driving us to the house. And I asked him, like, why do they call you Dead Eye? And he said, well, I was a sniper in Korea, and I shot a lot of people. And I was like, oh, I'm nine. Why are you telling me this? I should be at home in bed. Um, and But I remember looking at my grandpa and thinking, man, like this is great. You know, we're driving through creeks, chasing geese. Um, I branded a cow. That was really <laughs> awkward. Um, but... Uh, and then I, I kind of, when he died when I was 12, I was sort of stuck in this place where I was like, I don't, like, I don't have anybody to talk to. Um, my, my dad had kind of gone away from the family at that point and was really, um, he kind of drank a lot. He was really off himself, so he didn't engage very much. Um, but I found a guy who was a young life leader when I was in high school uh, who really kind of brought me back in. And uh, everything I learned from masculinity, I've learned from my friend Steve and my friend Dennis. And... Um, and I would hope that for you, y'all, you have this built in for you because you have a youth leader who brought you here. Um, and they love you a lot. Um, and you drive them crazy, but they love you. And, uh, and you, have a, you have this built in for you to have someone to go to and say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And we'll point you to the landmines. We've had our legs blown off. We've messed up. We know. Um, and you'll probably ignore us and get your legs blown off. And we'll love you anyway. Um, but for our time together uh, this week, uh, I really want you to, uh, to look and see that what God is calling us to is actually really hard. Um, when Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent, and Eve took the fruit and ate it and then gave it to him and he ate it, um, Adam was passive. Uh, he was kind of a coward and very submissive. Um, and... And didn't take charge and didn't step up. 
and men have been doing that from the beginning of time until right now. Um, and when God looks at masculinity and what He's calling us to, it's going to be hard. Uh, but to step up uh, is going to mean life for you. Uh, the Christian life will feel like death. To step up, it will feel like joy. Uh, you will, uh, those moments where we talked about last night in our small groups and our large group, um, the things that make you come alive, the things that, uh, you know, your dream scenarios, all those things, it's doubtful that in your dream scenario, uh, like, you're like a chicken, right? Uh, we love bravery. Um, that's why we love movies. Really, like, good movies, not like fart movies, but like real ones. Um, my favorite movie right now is 13 Hours. Have you seen that movie? Uh, the Benghazi movie. Um, it, it's, it's hard. To, I have to watch it by myself because my wife actually knew the guy on there, the, the guy named Tyrone that died. Jim Halpert's best friend in the movie. Um, she, she actually knew his family, so she can't watch it with me. So I have to watch it by myself. Um, and it, movies like that, movies, Lord of the Rings stories, uh, movies that have... A goal. This is why you love video games. Red Dead 2 is so fun. Uh, y'all, y'all know the game Rainbow Six Siege. Y'all know that game? Okay. I want all of you. Not all of you, because I'll be overwhelming. I want four of you to come tell me how to get out of the training modules because I'm stuck on training module four, and I've been there for three months. Uh, so come find me. Um, but those games hit us in the heart because they have a mission attached to them. Um, it's why. You shouldn't play Grand Theft Auto because that's just beating up hookers. Um, like that's not what we're talking about. We mean like real video, good ones, right? Um, and so, what God asks of you is going to be hard. Uh, it's going to be difficult, and uh, you're going to go through hell to get it. Um, but the world is waiting for this, y'all. Uh, the world is waiting for for men who know what they want. Um, who are submissive to Jesus and who make the world better. Um, you've been told, go make all the money you can, sleep with whoever you want. That way is going to lead you to hell. Um, but to find in God's kingdom what you were designed to be, what's the purpose for a man in the kingdom of God, is what we're going to try to find out. Um, to find who you were designed to be. Come back tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about, um, in the book of First Timothy, Paul wrote a letter to his friend Timothy. Um, he was kind of the Robin to his Batman. Um, probably a little cooler, a little better dressed um, than Robin. Um, but we're going to look at that tomorrow and kind of see what does a man of God look like? He's been given his job description. Now how is he to act and behave? So let me pray for us. Uh, I'll shoot you off to your next class. Uh, King Jesus, uh, you subdue our enemies. Uh, you crush the head of the serpent. Uh, you were um, the lover of our souls. Uh, you have taken uh, dead, lifeless branches and grafted them into yourself um, and given us life. Uh, you've given us a helper in the Holy Spirit. Uh, as we march to our second class, uh, I ask that you remind us every moment we're here uh, that you love us. And that you are good to us and that you're for us. And it's in your name we do pray. Amen. Thanks, y'all. See you tomorrow.